Hey, welcome to Tea Time. I'm Tish. I'm Eureka. I'm Andrea, and we are the Synoptic Sisters. We are three friends, and we each bring three different perspectives to the conversation. Our sisterhood developed through our weekly conversations about Bible studies we are doing together, and now we want to invite you into the discussion. So, when you tune into this podcast, you're going to get a chat with three friends who have three different takes with one faith in Christ. Be sure to subscribe. Let's get into today's episode. So Tish, you, I got really interested at, because you sent us, you know, the podcast of um, She Speaks Truth and, you know, when they had um, Pastor John Mark Comer, make sure I say his name correctly, mm-hmm. um, and Annie F. Downs, but I really, and you were talk, discussing his book that you read. What's the book that, what, did, what was it called? The Ruthless Elimination of Hurry. Right. So, um from listening to you speak and then, you know, hearing him speak. And I just started, and then us having these conversations about spiritual practices. I looked up the book because it's new. It's not on, um, it's not on Hoopla, uh-huh. but I What's got Hoopla? his other book. Hoopla is a um, library app. Oh, And you can, it's, you can listen, you can download eBooks. This is free. So you just, it's connected to your local Okay, library okay. so it's like it probably if your um, local library has a you can get it from them. wherever i can't hear what'd you say oh i was just gonna say probably like if your local library has a contract with them or something like you know i'll look at i'll look at that okay thank yeah. you um yeah so you just plug in your library card and you're free to go so you can rent movies um download ebooks or listen to audiobooks and they have music also um so anyway so i looked on there and i started uh listening to his uh the, uh, the book that came before it, uh, it's called Garden City. And he was talking like what you were discussing about the Sabbath and because um, I think it's uh, Garden City, rest, peace, work, rest, peace or something. Um, just describing, you know, what it is to like to work and to honor the Sabbath and, you know, the things that he does. So I was like, gosh, you know, this is this is a really good book. Um hmm. And when he was talking about work, I was, he was saying that a lot of us, we feel like there's like this, like this one thing that we're, we're supposed to do. And he was like, really, it's not, you know, we just, you know, we're supposed to work, uh, you know, because that's what God did in the garden. It was like, now you work and work is not a curse. We always think, you know, cause he's like, oh, now you have to till the ground, but it was just to, you know, to, to live off of. And um, so we could find enjoyment in our work and things like that we just shouldn't let it consume us but uh the fact that generations before us they were just content with just you know going to work and or you know working and then you know spending time with family like that just was good for them and then as time progressed he was saying that um we wanted more like we had to have more and we had to do things more and um it wasn't just dreaming but now achieving those dreams and then he was um saying that that's where we are not as we don't have as much peace as, as the generation before and we're stressed out and stuff because you know we're, we're trying to get more and that's really not what we're supposed <laughs> to be doing you know uh, obtaining everything mm-hmm. um, so I just yeah. I just like that you know just the, I guess the fact that he pointed out that it's not always what is the right thing that one thing that I'm supposed to be doing and that's going to give me satisfaction and 
based, you know, what we always know as believers that God only can satisfy us, you know, and we will be blessed in everything we do if we're seeking the Lord first. And so I was like, okay, let me go, let me go back to the basics. And that's kind of what we've had a conversation before. Like we gotta, we gotta keep going back to the basics, you know, of, you know, keeping, keeping God first and studying God's word and um, just allowing him to use us in our, in every aspect. And one thing he also talked about was the word ministry and, um, or maybe it was him. He, yeah, he said it. And then I was also listening to um, Crystal Evans Hurst. Thank you. Um, And she was also talking about that too. And how we um, say like, we're, we're, they were both saying that we tend to say that ministry is just like a compartment. It's like, this is our part of our spiritual life. Um, and then we have our regular life, but we're not supposed to do that. So I know that, that we, that spirit, our spiritual life is, you know, excuse me, should be a part of us and that's a compartmentalized God. Um, but I just didn't carry it over to the word ministry. Cause it's like, what's your ministry? but your ministry is just who you are and what, you know, how you carry that out every day yeah. and throughout all your activities. So I was like, Oh, that's, that's cool. <laughs> yeah. I'm going to be a smarty pants. We were kind of talking about that just a little bit last week, I think in our interview together. Um, Cause I remember you said something that I liked about how, um, you know, you were, you kind of saw yourself just like the other women in your church, as far as, you know, your first ministry is to, you know, your families or your kids or whatever. And, you know, we talked about um, the, the way I interpreted that is to be just kind of that, yeah, no, no matter what, what your calling is in life, obviously, you know, the way we're made is we're going to first put, make a priority of those people who are important to us, even if you're single and not a parent, it's like, you know, you still have your families, you still have your friends that you're close to, that you're going to be serving first. And then just about that idea that, um, you know, you could be in, in the secular world and have a, you know, a career and that's, that still can be a ministry. You're still glorifying God by using the talents and gifts he gave you, um, you know, and then there's also people who are, you know, called specifically to, to ministry and, and can use those gifts. But yeah, just kind of, I remember talking about that a little bit with you last week and I like hearing, um, you bring up kind of the way that that message we hear a lot, I think in, in church about not letting ourselves get so consumed with this purpose of like, I guess, worldly goals is the best way to put it, you know, like success as far as like, you know, I think we hear that we should do our best for the Lord. And we know it's part of just having good character in general to do our best for the Lord, but that's also can become easily conflated with, um, with like this idea that, oh, well, you know, if doing my best means, okay, getting this many raises every few months or, you know, meeting these metrics or whatever. And I'm not saying like, you know, those aren't, aren't good things that we should work toward, but it's all, it's not what defines us. Right. It's not what defines, you know, whether we're in the right place that, that God has put us or, you know, that, that kind of thing. It's not, it's not the be all end all, you know, it's, 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 it becomes really easy to say like, oh, well, you know, if I'm not becoming really wealthy here and this isn't becoming really prosperous, that that's not bearing fruit. And maybe that's not where, that's not where God wants me. Um, but it might be different fruit. You know, it might not be that, that, that worldly fruit about worldly wealth. Sometimes it is, but sometimes it's not, you know, maybe, maybe that, you know, maybe your book didn't sell 
a million copies and become a New York Times bestseller, but maybe it fell in the exact 10 right hands that God intended it to. And who knows the fruit that's going to come from that. And we don't know that, you know? So I like just kind of, um, you know, just, just interpreting that, you know, on a, on a little bit of a, a deeper level and thinking about that and what I'm calling. Yeah, I am. Um, I'm actually on, I think I'm on the Sabbath portion of the uh, the book, the the ruthless elimination of hurry, and I was just reading in like the last chapter that part where he was talking about simplifying life, and it actually um, it actually <laughs> deeply affected me in that that's been like my main pursuit right now, just because I think like you were saying, you're right, um, Rika, the previous generations maybe didn't have so much of a frenzy and so much stress on their lives because they weren't trying to attain all these things Mm -hmm. um, that we naturally in our modern world are just influenced to want to acquire. And so, um, so yeah, when, when he was talking about just simplifying life and even simplification, we mentioned it last time that I was a part of the podcast, um, simplifying life being part of a spiritual discipline. And I'm actually trying to really rein that in, in my life on a regular basis. Even lately, I've been thinking about how difficult it is for me to decide what to have for dinner. And it's, it's cause I have so many choices. Like I may, I spend so much time on Pinterest painting meals everywhere because I, you know, one of the joy, one of my joys is cooking, but, but actually, you know, over the years of being a wife and, and the first half of being a wife where I was a stay at home, um, wife and mom and wanting to maybe be a really good wife, you know, putting this heavy weight on myself to have all these crazy meals, you know, and, um, and it's, I mean, like I'm drained of food lately. Like I don't even want to eat because I'm just so tired of like trying to figure out right. what the heck to cook, you know? And so I just, so my whole point in saying all that is just hearing John Mark Comer talk about simplification and how um, our pursuit of more has, it just made me realize how much it's really poured into my life in so many areas. And so you know, uh, I've just been doing little things and he has, there's a, a companion workbook that you can get online for free that oh. accompanies that book, um, hmm. The Ruthless Elimination of Hurry. And it's a workbook and it helps you work through um, all of the different things he talks about. So Sabbath, and that's, I spoke with you guys about it before when I mentioned that I learned some of the ways that I prepare for Sabbath from that workbook. But simplification is one of them. And he talks about just, you know, cleaning out your closet. So yesterday I got three huge trash bags rid of shoes and clothes. I just said, Tish, if you haven't worn it in a year, give it away, like donate it to somebody else. Like, you know, and even I still, and still I have two closets full of clothes still. So it's, you know, but it just, I don't know. There's something about the way he put that, that just really affected me and made me want to change how I do life because I'm just realizing how, how bad I have literally just, you know, become such a huge consumer of 
stuff I just don't need and how it's affecting me for the worse. So, mm-hmm. oh, speaking of John Mark Comer, Comer too, I don't know if you guys saw this on um, social media, if you follow him, but he's stepping down as a lead pastor and he's opening a, um, like a, a, a nonprofit or some sort of organization that's completely devoted to what he teaches this whole, um, you know, Sabbath and just, and really teaching people how to walk with God. So I'm actually super excited for him and everything that he does, because I think he's just been, um, a really key person, spiritual person in my life lately. That's interesting. When you say that it's, I, cause he said that in garden city Mm -hmm. that not what you just said, but I just saw this, read the step before this. So he was a pastor or he was pastoring and then he was pastoring so many churches as well. Like they had a whole bunch of churches or plants or, and then he was like, I was failing and nobody was telling me, but he come to that point. It's that you have to take a look in and like figure out, okay, God, really, how do you want to use me? So he said over time, he was like, he went to the, the, to the board and was like, can I just pastor just one church, you know, just, you know, just, just one. And they were like, yes, you know, <laughs> like, we're glad you figured it out. <laughs> um, so that's exciting uh, to see him or hear him say that he, he's retreating, like you said, you know, um, scaling back. And then now he's not even going to be pastoring, but yet doing this. And that that's exciting. And I was thinking that, you know, learning the things from him, it's like, gosh, almost overwhelming. So if you're hearing this and you start learning things um, new and, you know, really how to prepare your life and live your life in, in a, in a golly way. For me, it was like, gosh, I'm learning these things. And I'm, and I'm I feel like I kicked myself because I was like, gosh, I wish I knew this early on, especially as a single person. And then even more so, um, before having children so that I could train up a child in the way that they should go so they will not depart far from it. Um, and I know we shouldn't regret and things like that because what was, was, but God works it all, you know, Romans eight twenty eight, Um, and so we just move forward. But again, with all this information is like almost overwhelming. Um, and then it's like, dang, I don't even know where to start. I'm not going to even start, you know? So, <laughs> but, but that desire to please God is just like, okay, just, just little something like, so like, just starting with Sabbath, just, I think that's where I'm starting, you know, you know, that's good. Yeah. I, um, I had just said that to God yesterday because I was doing my Bible study. And again, at John Mark Comer's recommendation, I am, I am in the gospels and Psalms. So I read one chapter in Psalms a day and one chapter in the gospels, which has been really good um, for me and just slowing down and remembering and focusing more on what Jesus taught when he was here on earth. And I'm in, um, I, or I just finished the Sermon on the Mount. So today I'll be in Matthew 8. I just got out of 5, 6, and 7. And um, that was one of my prayers after reading is, Lord, sometimes because because I'm reading every day, right? Every day I'm in the word, it's alive, the word says. So I'm getting something that I can change. But over, you know, that can be literally 365 things a year (laughs) or more that I'm trying to uh, adapt to or change to. And it seems like I'll read and I'll be like, oh yes, Lord, thank you for 
you know, revealing this to me, I need to work on this. And so it's in my head that day. And then the next day I read another chapter and I'm like, oh, thank you, Lord. I need to work. And so I have this pile of things that I have to work on. So I said the same thing to God yesterday. I was like, Lord, this is just, it's overwhelming. I I feel like I'm not having enough time to even try to work the things out. Cause it's like, as soon as I'm trying to work something out, something new comes. And so yeah, I, I don't even know how to deal. I don't really know how to deal with that. I, I just, it was something I prayed and said, hey, Lord, you're going to have to help me because I feel like these things are getting away from me and I'm not actually mastering them before I'm getting to another thing that I feel like you, you've revealed to me. And that, that can leave me feeling discouraged that like, I'm just, how am I going to change, you know? Mm-hmm. And that's like, I feel like just, that's such a good illustration of why, you know, God's God stresses that concept of Sabbath. You know, I think it's easy to think that if it's, if it's good things and they're, and it's godly things and it's holy things that maybe we don't need to take a rest from it. Um, you know, like I think ministry workers are a lot of times guilty of, of not giving themselves that Sabbath. Right. Because I mean, obviously Sunday too, is like a crazy day for people who are working in churches. Um, but God gave himself a day of rest and everything he did was good. You know, he, he did the first six days of, of creation and, you know, everything, everything was good. And he still gave himself that seventh day of rest. Um, so it's not just that we are pulling away from these things in our life that are outside of God or these worldly things. It's like, it's okay just to, you know, God, God wants to tell us that, that rest is part of us and, and that rest is, is holy. And, you know, that, that the good things, we can overwhelm ourselves with the good things too. We can, you know, we can, we can have a lot of places we're being pulled, pulled in our serving and our ministries and things like that too, that we need to rest from. But I wanted to go back to one, something that you guys were talking about a little bit ago, cause I thought it was really, really interesting and applicable to um, actually a lot of like what I study um, the idea of like past generations uh, just kind of viewing work differently, you know, looking at work more as like a, what they needed to do to survive and provide for their family and not necessarily maybe like um, ha- be on this pursuit of constant improval and constant increasing wealth, which kind of sounded like what you guys were talking about. Um, because that's that's actually like the fundamental principle behind uh, the the like study of economics. Um, so like, you've, I don't know if you guys have heard of Adam Smith. He's like this famous guy from like hundreds of years ago who wrote this book called The Wealth of Nations. And he's considered to be like the father of capitalism. Um, because he basically, you know, wrote this thousand page thing and talked about how, um, the way the difference between nations that become wealthy and nations that don't is this idea of, of excess of surplus of like, what, like you said, Rika, I think storing things up and trading, um, you know, when he talked about a civilization, for example, where, you know, you're hunters and gatherers and you are basically your day is consumed with providing for your family or your, you know, immediate tribe or whatever, right? You're out there, you're fishing, you're hunting and you're gathering and you're making the fires and you're doing all the things. Okay. And they talked about the difference. If you shift to a society where you delegate, um, it's called the division of labor is the technical term for this. And you make one person, the fire starter, and you make one person, the fisher, and you make one person, the stick gatherer. And now all of a sudden, because that's just your one job, you can do it so much more efficiently but you still have all the things rather than each one of us on our own trying to go out there and do everything together to just prove ourselves. Like, it's like, why duplicate the efforts? Let's, let's divide it up and work communally. Right. Which sounds great on, on 
in, in principle. And, it, you know, to some extent, it really, that, that is true in our society. You know, there's a lot of things that thankfully somebody else does for me and I don't have to like, you know, grow my own wheat every time I want a sandwich or something, right? Like that, that is really beautiful. But the irony with, that you guys are recognizing that, that, you know, a lot of people now too are, you know, they, they talk about this is that what we have done in this extra time that we have from dividing up our labor is found ways to fill it mm. with more ways to divide up that labor. Um, and so rather than reaping the benefit in rest, we constantly reinvest it as capital to get more. And so I just want to share this really, I feel like it's so applicable, this, this, this story in one, in one of the books I read. Um, it says, you know, there's a story of this fisherman in Mexico and this like kind of wealthy guy um, is down there observing this fisherman. As he says, every day this fisherman goes out and he, you know, he catches his boat and he's a great fisherman, you know, and he, and he catches like, you know, fish and for his family. And then he goes home and he kind of just, you know, chills out and plays his guitar and blah, 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 you know, hangs out with his wife and plays with his kids and eats dinner with his family. And I guess the man's like, you know, hey, why don't you um, instead, why, instead of just fishing for a couple hours then going home and relaxing with your family, why don't you fish all day? And then you could sell your fish at the market. Your fish are so good. They're the best quality fish. You could sell your fish at the market and then you could buy another boat and you could hire somebody and then they would be out fishing for you too. And, you know, he, and he basically gives him this whole business plan. He's like a, you know, this guy's like a millionaire and he sees it. He sees the vision and he has it all. And he's like, you know, I can help you. He's like, look at this, look at this. By the time, you know, by the time you're, you know, whatever you could, you could own this and you can, and the man's like, well, why, why would I, why would I want to own that? He's like, well, because then you can do this and then you'll have this much and then you can invest here and then you can do that. I mean, you know, he really has the vision. He's showing him all the pieces. And then, you know, the man keeps asking kind of at each step, like, well, why, well, why, what's it going to give me? And then, you know, the final step is, well, you know, and then what? He's like, well, then, you know, you can retire. And he's like, okay, and, and then what am I going to do? He's like, well, I mean, you know, you can go live on some, you know, tropical place somewhere, hang out with your family, do whatever you want, play your guitar, chill, you know, and the guy's obviously like, you know, like, yeah, that's, that's my life right now, bud, you know? And so um, I just love that. Like, I, I, I loved it because I, I, I kind of find it really helpful always to just, remember to ask myself, like, whatever I'm working towards, what is really the, really the point of it all though? You know, like, okay, yes, I know this is important and this is what's in front of me right now, but at the end, you know, what's the real goal I'm working towards? And am I going to, you know, regret this years from now? I think about, you know, whatever calling God has put on my heart, you know, at the end, when I'm an old lady, what am I going to wish I did with my time before the Lord? Um, because as much as like, I feel that urgency of wanting to steward my calling well and my time well here on earth. It's so easy to say, yes, that's important, but this is in front of me right now and I have to do it, you know, but that's how our days are spent, you know, is, is by what's in front of us right now. So I think that's, that's just like, that just like, I don't know, that's the academic side of basically what you guys are talking about there. Yeah. Yeah. Good, good connection. Um, cause as you were, as you were saying it and both of you were saying, um, uh, about the Sabbath and, and so John Mark Hummer points out that Sabbath just wasn't from the first beginning command of, you know, God created the earth and six day, you know, created the world in six days, then he took a rest. But then after they had gotten out of slavery, he said, cause ideally slaves, they work, there is no day off. So we're enslaving ourselves when we don't give ourselves a day. You know, when we're constantly consuming, consuming, buying, buying, you know, uh, going, going, you know, 
like you said, just more and more. And like, I'm going to do this now so that I can have this later and stuff like that. So we, we need to, to have that rest. Yeah. We're slaves to, you know, our, our wealth basically, you know, yeah. If you're, if you're not making it work for you so that you get more time and more leisure and more whatever to put into your true passion, mm-hmm. then you're a slave to it. Yeah, that's good. And what does Galatians say? Don't submit again to another yoke of slavery. Exactly. (laughs) Hey, you guys. Thank you so much for joining us um, during our first season of Tea Time with Tish, Erika, and Andrea. We have enjoyed allowing you to be in this conversation. And uh, we look forward to you guys joining us in our next series of conversations in season two. We love you. Bye. Bye. Bye.